Let's turn now to your Old Testaments, Psalm 103, verses 15 through 22. We just finished our our summer series on the Lord's Prayer, and I tell you, for me, that was really important spiritually. And uh, we're going to begin a new fall series next week. Uh, this is the last week. Everybody's catching a little bit of uh, time off. Everybody will start showing back up in mass next week. It's going to be fun to, to see everybody from summer, but it's going to be called 100% Organic Spirituality. And it, what it is, is it's a journey into our union with Christ. It's about what it means to be in Christ, to have union with Him and for Him to live His life in us and for us to live out the Christian life in this wonderful way that Christ in us affects the world. So that starts next week, 100% organic spirituality. But uh, I needed to, to preach on something in between. So I really thought about it, prayed about it, and I think this will be uh, a great passage for us to kind of end the summer with. And it is Psalm 103, verses 15 through 22. And this is the very word of God. As for man, his days are like grass. He flourishes like a flower of the field. The wind passes over it. And it is gone, and its place knows it no more. But the steadfast love of the Lord is from everlasting to everlasting on those who fear him and his righteousness to children's children, to those who keep his covenant and remember to do his commandments. The Lord has established his throne in the heavens and his kingdom rules over all. Bless the Lord, O you his angels, you mighty ones who do his word, obeying the voice of his word. Bless the Lord, all his hosts, his ministers who do his will. Bless the Lord, all his works in all places of his dominion. Bless the Lord. Oh, my soul. And God, we pray that you would just well up within us this song of praise and that all that is within us could be turned toward all that you are and your worthiness and your beauty and your love, even as we follow you this morning. In Jesus' name, amen. There are two basic songs being sung in the universe this morning, and every song being sung in a car, on the radio, in a shower, in a church, doesn't matter where uh, the song is sung, it's every song being sung is under one of these two major songs being sung in the universe. And they are the song of the celebration of man and the song of the celebration of God. And that is what this part of Psalm 103 is about. And, and it begins with this song of the celebration of man. As for man, his days are like grass. He flourishes like the flower of the field. Now, the, the song that, that's being sung in the universe this morning about the celebration of man is all about the greatness of man. The 
glory of man, the power and, and beauty of mankind. It's all about man as the measure of all things. Cain in the Bible sang it. And the people that were around Noah when he built the ark sang the song of the celebration of man. The people who were building the Tower of Babel sang the song all together now until God confused their languages of the the celebration of the glory of man. The, The Greeks and the Romans were especially good at singing this song. It was the number one hit song of the Renaissance. And later, the number one hit song of what we call the the Enlightenment. And we're still singing it today through a thousand different channels. Well, I think I need to start by saying the Bible does in fact teach us that there is a kind of glory to man. The Bible teaches us that man is the pinnacle of God's creation. There's a reason that people would lift up mankind. The Bible teaches us that man is made in the the very image of God. Now that image was horribly twisted and distorted when man fell into sin and rebellion against God and was cast out of the garden, out of the presence of God. But that, that vestige of the image of God is still beautiful nonetheless. We are still moral creatures, meaning we deal in right and wrong because we're made in a God who is a moral God. Yes, that's why there's right and wrong, by the way, because there is a God. There is a standard. We are intellectual creatures like God is intellectual. We are able to think abstractly, un- unlike Squirrels and, and other creatures can't think abstractly. And that's, that's why you don't have to be a believer in Jesus, as we always say, to discover the cure for cancer. Because there is a kind of glory in mankind. It's the stamp of the image of God. We are creative. We are artistic like God when he, when he created with His Word in six days all the beauty that is and continues to create even as rocks shift and rivers change their courses and babies are born. And we see the the artistry of God and we see that man is a creative being. And so, you know, we would say there's still something to sing about there. But not the way we typically sing about mankind. You see, man is isn't really like the way we sing and the way we hear song, the variations of the song of the celebration of man. No, in addition to being creative, intellectual, moral, etc., man is sinful and self-centered. Where man is, there is disunity, there is lying, There is stealing, there is cheating, and there is murder where man is. And far from being the the ultimate glory, the, the measure of all things, men are mortal. 
meaning we decline and then we die. Kind of conveniently left out of the song of the glory of mankind. In verse 15, just before our text, it talks about the compassion of God, that that God remembers, He has compassion on us because He remembers how we are made. He, He remembers that we are but dust. Glorious dust, but dust nevertheless, and ashes to ashes, dust to dust we are. You know, I saw a, uh, a program on PBS a while back. I think y'all figured out by now I love documentaries. And uh, this, this program was about the history of cinema in America. It was really interesting. And what it did was it kind of started with the first movies and all the silent movies and the first talking movies and then the golden era of Hollywood and all the way up till, till now. And um, it, it talked about the technological development of, of, of how movies were made and how they were shown. And then it talked about the artistic development of movies and it featured directors and their take on reality and, and how, how art and how symbols and, and all of this were brought in. I mean, it was just fascinating. But just as interesting were the profiles of Hollywood superstars over the last 50 years. And, and it showed you, you know, footage of their, their most memorable cinematic moments. And, and, and there, you know, there is Gone with the Wind, or there is Humphrey Bogart, or, you know, you can fill in the blanks. Um, and, you know, as you looked at these stars and these starlets just kind of right there in their prime, and they're just beautiful people. So charming, just charm you while you're watching them, and just almost unflappable, vital, seemingly invincible, a, a sign of all that we could be. And as the narrator told the stories of the movie stars, suddenly the camera would shift from that footage to an interview with the movie stars as they are today. Oh my. Is that really him? Is that really her? They had changed. Their strength had faded. Their youth gone. Just a shadow of their former selves, their former beauty, their former ability to project this glory their cinematic moment had definitely passed. And now they were very different. It's interesting how old movie stars don't show up on TV very often. There's a reason for that. Yeah, the the song of the celebration of man doesn't include usually about his deceptiveness and about the murder and the death and the decline and and, and all of this. But, but you know, Psalm 103 captures this so, so vividly. Psalm 103 says something about man that needs to be said. You know, sometimes we evangelical or Bible-believing Christians, we just kind of want to say the first word about man is he's a, a dirty, rotten sinner. And he needs Jesus. That was not the first word about man in the Scriptures. No, the first word about man is in, let us make man in our image. And then it became, 
good. Very good. And, and so Psalm 103 says, you know what we are? We're beautiful. We're like a flower. Like, like the blooming, gorgeous flower. We flourish, it says. Like a flower, we flourish. Beauty, strength, vigor. But only for a brief cinematic moment of time. And, and then we fade, and then we fold, and then we are no more. Verse 15. As for man, his days are like grass. Listen to this. He flourishes like the beautiful flower of the field. But the wind passes over it, and it is gone, and its place remembers it no more. Meaning the celebration of the glory of man is overrated. We're like azaleas, great for three weeks. And then it's just kind of ugly and brown, leftover stuff where the flowers used to be. And when the celebration of man is our song, folks, we really don't have much to look forward to once we're past whatever age. It's kind of sad to sing that song. We sing along and we pretend, we choose to think of ourselves in a mental picture always of us being flourishing and full and blooming and we pretend that it's always going to be that way and it's not by the way there's something good at the end of this i want you to know all the botox in the world can't hide the eventuality of who we really are as our lives move where are the great ones where are the strong ones? Where are the smart ones? Where are the inspiring people of yesteryear? They are gone. Psalm 144 says, Man is like a breath. His days are like a fleeting shadow. 2 Samuel 14.4 says, Like water spilled on the ground which cannot be recovered, so we must die. And what's even more hurtful in Psalm 103 is, is no, God, as he's working through David the psalm, no, he couldn't just leave it with we're a flower and we fade and we die. No, he had to add, and its place remembers it no more. Because you see, that's not just about frailty, that's about a relative insignificance that not only did you live and die, but nobody even remembers. Man, this is, this is shocking. This is real. We want to make our mark. We want to be remembered. It's not going to happen, at least not indefinitely. You know, right after we moved here from Colorado, uh, you, there's kind of a neighborhood right behind our neighborhood, and you can walk back there, and and uh, there's kind of a loop. 
and and the house, one of the houses like right behind my house, not far behind my house, caught fire and burned to the ground. And everybody in my neighborhood, and it seemed like everybody in that other neighborhood, we're all standing around like, like rednecks going, golly, look at that. And, you know, the fire trucks were there and everything. Y'all, I'd never seen a house burn down. You can't imagine how furious. Some of y'all have been kind of through a part of your house burning down. I get it now. We were watching. Is it, I mean, we had to stand way back. I, I, I can't even tell you how hot that house that burned down was. It belonged to a couple. They had lived their whole lives there. Uh, they were an elderly couple, and they happened to be in Texas with one of their children and grandchildren while everything they owned burned to the ground and all their photographs, and everything was gone. So that was pretty traumatic. It's traumatic for me. And I remember walking with Gina about maybe a year or so later, and like they were, they had, you know how they, they stake things off before they sell it and Sometimes they put strings on the stakes and a surveyor had been there, I guess. We're like, I wonder what's going to happen here, you know? What, what are they going to do with this lot? And then I kind of looked at it and I walked out on the lot a little bit and I said to Gina, I said, Gina, you can't even tell where the house was. It was sobering. I'm talking about somebody spent their whole life there and a year later its place remembered it no more. It's an amazing thing. Let me ask you a few questions. Who was Miss America 1977? 87. Do I hear 97? 2007. Okay. Who was the first space shuttle captain? Who was Gerald Ford's vice president? Nobody's shouting out this stuff. I mean, some geek will shout out one of them. (laughs) He won't now. We always knew you were one of those. Rockefeller. Rockefeller, thank you. Oh, that was Lee. Okay. We always knew you were one of those. Who was the richest man in the world 25 years ago? I mean, these are the most famous people, you know. These are people on the magazine covers. Who was the MVP of Super Bowl Twenty? Who played in Super Bowl Twenty? What was your great-great-grandfather's name? Can I get a a, a show of hands if you actually know, not your great-grandfather, not your grandfather, not your great-grandfather, your great-great-grandfather, will you please raise your hand if you know your great-great-grandfather's name? That's what I thought. About 15 That's your own family. And you don't remember them? Do do you see this? You you getting the point here? I mean, the other day, I couldn't quite totally remember my last address. And I'm sure it does not remember me. We are beautiful because we're made in the image of God. But we are mortal. We are fallen. We appear in the field of the world. We bloom for a season. We wither and we died. And its place remembers it no more. The 
the song of the celebration of man, because it only tells one side and not the other, is therefore a misleading song. It's not worth being your number one hit song because it has futility and meaninglessness and not even being remembered underneath it. So that's the first song, the song of the celebration of man. The second song is the song of the celebration of God. And, and all of Psalm 103 is, is really kind of this resounding song. You know, it starts with, Bless the Lord, O my soul, all that is within me. Bless His holy name. Bless the Lord, O my soul. Forget not His benefits, who forgives all your sins. You know, all this. David, the psalmist here, contrasts man with God. And what a vast contrast this is in our passage in Psalm 103. Here is the eternal one who never fades. He is the one who was and is and is to come. He really is. God is always perfectly full of glory perfectly everything that he's always been and he always will be he is perfectly reliable because of his power and his integrity embedded in his holiness that never changes and he never changes this is good by the way because we need god and we need for him to be not like us this is the song to sing as as your number one hit song because God doesn't have any sin or faults or fading of strength. And you can sing this song forever. And the meaning of it never changes. You see, Christianity is not just about the really neat people you meet. Or the wonderful activities that there are. It is not just trying to feel better about ourselves. It is about mortals being united with the eternal God. That's what this whole series we're about to start next week is about. What, it, what that means. Christianity is about how sinful people part- become partakers of the divine nature. And how amazing that is. It's about walking with the eternal one whom we were born to need. Forever walking with him and in his love. Verse 17, but the steadfast love of the Lord is from everlasting to everlasting. You see how different that is from the fade? The steadfast love of the Lord is from everlasting to everlasting on those who fear him. And there's more. It's not just about getting some eternal life so you'll know where you're going. It is also a matter of a relationship with God that God himself has desired. We're going to get back to that. And God gives us eternal life because God wants to spend eternity with us. And this is life. That they would know the one true God in Jesus Christ, his only son, This is the song about the celebration of God that in turn is a song about a life with God that never ends. But that's not even all. The steadfast love 
of the Lord is from everlasting to everlasting, and His righteousness to their children's children. You see, the, the eternal God has good purposes for your life if you know Him beyond your life. There's a lot of meaning in what we just did down here on the floor by saying, you know what, we love our children. We don't know what's going to happen to them. They are being born into a really dicey world, right? But the steadfast love of the Lord is from generation to generation on our children and our children's children. To me, I don't know about you, but that's kind of meaningful to me. Chesed, H-E-S-E-D, chesed, love. That's the word for love. It means loyal love. It means covenant love. It, it means you can always count on it, love. The loyal love, unchanging love of God is not just for you, but for your children and your children's children for the generation uh, to come as well. He is a covenant-keeping God. But there is something very interesting about what David shows us about these two songs. There is a paradox here. And, the, and, and, and let me just kind of, before I give you the paradox, let me read the rest of the text. Verse 19, he kind of moves to this incredible worship of this God. Verse 19, the Lord has established his throne in the heavens and his kingdom rules over all. And then there's this worship. Bless the Lord, O you his angels, his, the mighty, you mighty ones who do his word, obeying the voice of his word. Worship, bless the Lord, all his hosts, all his ministers who do his will. Bless the Lord, all his works in all the places of his dominion. Bless the Lord, O my soul. And so, we move into this, this like, this God is great, God is loving, He's not like man in the whole psalm. God is great and gracious. And then we move into this amazing worship, and we find that the angels worship God. And not only do we find that the angels, you know, those whose whole being is about serving God, about giving the messages to people that God wants to give, and we read that, that bless the Lord, you angels, you mighty ones who do His Word. Bless the Lord, all His hosts. That means the, all the armies of the angels. His ministers. How I wish that meant people like me. It doesn't. It just means His servants. Those who minister before the throne. Those who, who do what God says. Uh, talking about angelic beings. And then, beyond angelic beings, it's all His works. It's all creation. Under his dominion is blessing the Lord. And here is the paradox. All the angels and the hosts of angels, because God is God, worship God and serve God and carry out his will. And all creation praises God and the heavens declare the glory of God. All his works under his dominion Talk about His glory and praise all His creation. You ready for this? Except man. The pinnacle of His creation. You see, that's the paradox here. Except us. 
there's something wrong with this picture, right? When you just take it on face value. We don't. And even his own people, to my, us, that through Jesus Christ have come to know him by his work that he has accomplished to remove our sins through the cross that we can't remove ourselves And it is finished, Jesus said, and we've trusted our salvation, our eternity on that rather than our own works. Yes, even even us, we struggle, do we not, with not praising Him, not loving Him, not serving Him or obeying Him. You and I get way too caught up without even realizing it, and just singing along with the song of the celebration of man. In your life, which is the number one hit? Which would you like for it to be? We connect with real meaning and real love in that song that the angels sing and creation sings. And we learn in the Old Testament that God even sings over us because he loves us. We connect with real love. We connect with real life. We connect with real meaning only through that song of the celebration of God and his original intentions and his purposes, his promises carried out. In this church, in the next ministry year, kind of next week, we're just kind of starting the next ministry year. You know, school starts, football season starts, and we're starting. Then we'll start again in January. I'm not sure why, but we're going to start twice. In this church, in the next ministry year, what will the number one hit be? Do we still believe in the primacy of God's glory and the primacy of God's favor? Eternal favor. Do we believe in His unstoppable covenant love? As we try to answer, who are we in this world? Do we still believe in our sure future, walking with Him, and does that matter anymore? Are we willing to have our center of gravity be His love? Are we willing to let our primary sense of value be what He has given us in giving us Himself and our highest desire? To be his glory. Please understand something as we we finish here. This passage is not only about the glory of God and his worth and the truth in that song, but this passage is about the mercy of God. And when you read this passage and you suddenly see what man is really like and what God is really like, and how God has related to man. You, 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 you suddenly need to be amazed. 
that we who have been singing the celebration of the glory of man do not get what we deserve. God left heaven. God left the seraphim and the cherubim and the angels and the archangels and the hosts of angels and came down here to pursue us sinners, we sinners, and to rescue us into his arms. This is an amazing thing. Into a relationship with him that was lost in the garden, that was promised to recover, and God himself, the object of worship, left heaven and came down here to bring us into his arms, into a relationship with him, and into praise and living our lives in him, which is what we're going to start talking about next week. You and I, because we sing the song of the glory of man, and we have since birth, we deserve rejection. But through Jesus, we get acceptance. We deserve wrath, but we get mercy and covenant-keeping love. We deserve futility, but we get real life, and it takes a long time to live into the meaning of that, even as we follow Jesus. We deserve hell. We get heaven. And we have God and fellowship with God and and covenant love and his leadership today and forever because God has loved us. This is the same psalm. You know, it says this, he does not treat us as our sins deserve. Don't y'all love that text? He does not treat us as our sins deserve, nor repay us according to our iniquities. For as high as the heavens are above the earth, so great is his love toward those who fear him. As far as the east is from the west, so far has he removed our transgressions from us. What a song! So, let me close by reading the song again, the two songs again to you, and then we'll... Will be finished. Psalm 103 and verse 15. As for man, his days are like grass. He flourishes like the flower, a flower in the field. But the wind passes over it and it's gone and its place remembers it no more. But the Hesed love, the steadfast love of the Lord is from everlasting to everlasting on those who fear him and his righteousness to our children's children to those who keep his covenant and remember to do his commandments the lord has established his throne in the heavens and his kingdom rules over all bless the lord O you his angels you mighty ones who do his will obeying the voice of his word bless the lord All his hosts, all his ministers who do his will, bless the Lord, all his works in all places in his dominion. And then finally, we say, bless the Lord, oh my soul. Can you say that with me? That's how we join the song. Ready? Bless the Lord, oh my soul. Let's pray. Oh Lord, thank you that that you are who you are and you change not. And thank you that... Exactly who you are demands 
that you deal with us according to our sin and thank you that you are mercy. You are grace. You are love. You are covenant love. You are rescue. You are meaning. You are life itself. You are ministry. You are heaven and glory forever. Oh Lord, we pray as we conclude this summer and kind of begin a new year of sorts, Lord, that you would shift us over to your praise, accompanied by amazement for your mercy. And God, that we would find more of that life and meaning and purpose and joy together as we walk with you. In Jesus' name, amen.